but Psalms chapter 1 now is our text, and, and so I'm going to read the, the first uh, three verses here. We're looking at the subject here of the revived walk moving forward. People have made decisions. They've uh, made them in church. They made them in a revival meeting. They made them at another time. And as you made that decision, sometimes your mind goes back to it, but you're not there anymore. You're not walking in that decision. And we need a reminder of how to walk in that decision. So we have here in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the, excuse me, blessed, <laughs> I got that wrong. Uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. Now shall we pray. Father, I thank you that you've not only impressed on the hearts of people various decisions to make in following you, even in doing faith promise that they, they made promises and to carry out throughout the year, Lord, and to expect you if things come up short on, to provide. And, and Lord, just the various things that we see there, I know that you can do. And Lord, there is responsibility in our part. One is not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly as we started, and that's where we're going to be tonight, Lord. So I pray, Father, that you'll do what I cannot do, make it clear to each heart and mind this evening, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. We must walk in the counsel of God if we're going to live a Christian life that glorifies Him. Uh, and that comes from staying in God's Word, meditating on it, and doing what He says. We read about him in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. All oh, that world government when he comes back. It's actually on his shoulder now because he's still in control no matter what man's doing today. He's still in control. And when he comes, man will see that. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now last week, we had actually used this review of the first sermon because it had been weeks since that uh, other sermon. But we said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And the idea is, if walketh is your manner of life. That which is, identifies you. Use the example of a carpenter. A carpenter is, is, uh, uh, learns from somebody. He learns under someone. They tutor him. And now when he does carpentry work, he does it the way he was taught. 
it's just natural with him to do things because that's the way he learned. We talked about uh, churches today. You see a lot of these churches that have gone contemporary. What happened? Well, in the Rick Warren day when he come out, uh, all of a sudden, all the preachers were wearing goatees. I'm not against goatees. I'm just saying a lot of preachers were wearing goatees. They, they had the open shirt. They had the Hawaiian shirt. They had the blue jeans. They had everything of that nature just to uh, preach that way and to be relaxed. And then the uh, the music changed, and all, all the things that changed, the standards went out the window. And they were taught to go in the way of a Rick Warren, and they had followed that way. That's their walk. They're walking, but that's not the counsel of God because it goes against the holiness of God. You know, the word ungodly means without God. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm saved, but you can be saved and be very ungodly. And so that is one of the things that have happened as a result of that. Then we went over Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 4 through 6, where it says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. The idea of the vow was a promise that you make to God. Whether you make it at an altar, whether you... Uh, make, as a matter of fact, even in marriage, you're doing that. When, uh, if you were married, uh, and say a preacher married you, and you're making that promise to that person before God and man, and, and you say, love, honor, and cherish, keep me only to the end, so long as we both shall live, you have made a, a vow before God. And so that's a vow to keep. That's a promise to keep unto God. And so as we look at things like that, when you vow, vows to bound to God, defer not to pay it because he has no pleasure in fools, he says. Now, isn't it interesting when you've made a promise to God, whether it's at an altar, whether it's at home, the privacy of your own devotions, whether it was uh, a wedding or any other kind of a vow that you've made, just understand, God calls you a fool if you don't keep your vow. Now, it's not that I call you a fool. I mean, people call me a fool, I can ignore it. But if God calls me a fool, I can't. And so God says, you're a fool if that's what you do. Then we looked in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, and showed how it tied in with Exodus uh, chapter 19 and, and verses 6 and 7. There in Exodus, the Lord told Israel, there'd be a nation of priests, a holy nation, a, a, a priesthood of, nation, of a nation. In other words, Priests talked to God for people and the people for God, and they would be entrusted in taking the message of God to the world, that they might know God. In 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and 9, we're also told the same thing as Christians. We have a story to tell to the nations. We have that message of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And so, just as the Jewish nation was made a nation of priests, you and I, if you're saved, you're part of a nation of priests now. We have a responsibility. Jesus Christ is our great high priest, but if you're saved, you're a priest of God, whether you carry out your duty or not. But that's what we are. So that's uh, what we covered last week. But now we saw there that Jesus Christ is the counselor. Well, how do we hear uh, counsel from him? Well, we get it from the Word of God. So the question comes, is as a Christian, 
as a child of God, because as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so because of that, the question becomes, do I have an intimate relationship with my heavenly Father? That's a life question, by the way. Do I have that? And I'm not talking about are you saved. If you're saved, you can be saved and not be walking in an intimate relationship with Him. You might say somewhat like a rebellious kid that grows up, loves his mommy and daddy, and then as it gets older, uh, gets introduced to things of the world and begins to go other directions. Still has a love for mom and dad, but the world has gained his or her attention. So do you have an intimate relationship with him? In other words, are you walking, am I walking, and how you walk with him, is it ordering your life? Are you living your life that way? In other words, the walk, what identifies me in the way I do things? Can it be say, well, he's walking because he feels this is what God, she feels this is what God wants him to do. They're walking according to the word of God, led by God. That's the way when things come up in life. They used to have this little bracelet out, what would Jesus do? Well, that that's, answer was easy. Whatever the Word of God says He'd do is what He'd do. That's how He speaks to us, by His Holy Spirit, through His Word. And so we go by the counsel of Him who is called the Counselor. The counsel of God. So I want just to look at some things about the counsel of God. Because that's the way you and I are to walk. That's to be the identifying characteristic of our life. In Psalms 119, 105, thy word, the radio program, Lamp and Light radio broadcast, has been coming on since its inception with that verse, the first thing that people hear, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me myself, my feet, the direction I'm walking. The, the, that shows to me. And the light into my path, the path that God has for me to walk, the light is there. He shows me myself, and he shows me the direction I'm to go in the will of God. And so, that path is the will of God in our life. It's the direction that he would have us to follow. It is the direction that we have received from God through his word. I believe I've shared with you in the past that a couple of different verses the Lord has given me over the years. I remember before I was studying to go away to college and, and married and had a couple of children that I was looking there in Luke one time and he says, Son of man hath not where to lay his head. When they're saying, I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go. He says, well, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Uh, the birds of the air have nests. You know, these foxes have holes. They all have these other things, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. The idea is we still follow and I had to come to that point to say, you know what? <laughs> I may live penniless. I may live day to day, but I've got to follow God. There's no promises about, okay, uh, Lord, I will go if I get this kind of a salary. I'll go if you're going to do this for me. Lord, I'll go. No. 
you go, whatever God's will is. I mean, remember Paul getting saved? And when the prophet is setting to him, he says, Lord, I've heard a lot of things about this guy. <laughs> he even come here to Damascus to, to persecute us, drag us out to prison, do all these other things. He said, well, he's gotten saved along the way, you know. But he said, I've already shown him the many things that he will suffer. Paul knew going in, he was going to get it bad. Is what man would consider bad. But it was by that grace of God that he had by following God that he learn to be in whatsoever state I am to therewith be content. And so he followed God's walk for his life, God's will. And so the question comes to me, do I know God's will and am I walking in it? I remember the first church that I pastored and I was considering, do I go into the pastor now because I was still in college and I was should I go into the pastorate now while I'm still in college? I'm married, have a couple kids. Should I still do that? And the Lord just seemed to impress on my heart. And as a preacher, you want to preach. But then, I was in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, where he says, there's an open door and effectual. Boy, that sounds good. But there are many adversaries. You know what? I found that is true. And the Lord was letting me know that no matter there'd be adversaries that try to do the worst things to you and your family, even try to break your home, will you walk with God? It's a question that we have to answer because one day every one of us will give an account of ourselves unto God. And so in Psalms 119, verse 24, he says, Thy testimonies also are my delight are his testimonies his word are they your delight he says thy testimonies are my delight and my counselors counselors you see the counselors are those statements in God's word that the Holy Spirit uses to counsel us. Men writing down words as God breathed them out. They are God breathed words. They are God's testimonies. In other words, it is His Word. And so is the, His testimony, His Word, my delight. And does it counsel me daily? Psalms 119.36, incline thine heart unto thy testimonies, and not unto covetousness. How often do we want what the world has or what somebody else has, and we want it, but it will be at the expense of righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 says, that ye put off the old, uh-oh, you put off. What did you put off? Concerning the former conversation. You know what that conversation is? Our matter of life, our walk. Put off the former walk, your former manner of life, the old man which is corrupt, 
according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That ye put on the new man that's created in righteousness and true holiness. That tells me I have a personal responsibility. I'm going to get that righteousness and true holiness from the Word of God. I can't try to reconcile my faith to the world. So often today you'll see Christians adding Bible verses to psychology, to psychiatry, to music, to everything else, to justify the worldly way, the worldly beat, the worldly wisdom, the worldly direction. No, if you're saved, Brother Fury was saying this, this evening, I wanted to thank three, three persons, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are involved in our salvation. God so loved the world, the Father, that He gave His only begotten Son, the Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that Spirit, Christ promised, He would give us when we received Him as Savior. All three are involved in our Christian life. So that is why I am not to uh, think, what does the world do? What does the world want? Is my life, is it created in righteousness and true holiness? Is it a choice that I have made? Psalms 119, verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. You think on your ways. Are you thinking about, am I pleasing God? Does, does this please God in my life? We can say I'm religious, I'm faithful to this and that, but are my ways, my walk, is it pleasing unto God? And so, he says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet to thy testimonies. As he got into the word of God, the word of God says, no, this is the way you need to go. And that person makes a conscious decision. A lot of times you make a conscious decision in a church service, in a revival meeting, or in your own personal devotions at home. But you make a conscious decision. If you think on your ways, then look to his word, that is his testimonies, in order to turn your feet to go in the direction that he is showing you from his word, that is in his counsel. And he has a very definite direction for us to walk. In Psalms 119, 144, he says, The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Now, what does he mean? The righteousness of his word is everlasting? His word doesn't change. God doesn't change. He's not only impeccable, He's immutable. He's the unchanging God. And so His Word 
his word. He says, the righteousness of thy testimonies are everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. You're asking God by his Holy Spirit in that manner to open your understanding that you may walk according to his word. The way of your daily walk, the way your life is identified before God. So sometimes you live according to the word of God. People say, oh, he's so holier than thou. Oh, he thinks he's better than we are. And the truth of the matter maybe is that you're just trying to live according to the word of God. And it's a witness against them, especially if they're Christians. And realizing what they're missing out. And so, your life is a scene in your daily walk that his testimonies, his word, is your counsel. Again, our walk is seen in the testimonies of his word. That is a continual walk. See, just saying, he that walks, oh, every once in a while I do this, do that. No, he walketh. It's a continual thing. But, you know, you see these things laid out like that. But what about the book of Proverbs? You know, we call the book of Proverbs the book of wisdom. And it is that. The book of Proverbs speaks about wisdom, speaks about understanding. Well, we need wisdom. We need understanding in the counsels and in the word of God. That continual thought with us that we might know to walk with God according to his wisdom, his word, his direction, understanding what he's saying. Now, let me just say this. Wisdom is the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. That's wisdom. The wisdom that comes from God is that you're walking with just judgment to decide right or wrong by the word of God, by his testimonies. They're directing you. They're your counselors. Understanding has a twofold thing. And this is where the, God's Holy Spirit is a great help for us. Understanding First of all, it speaks about perception, perceiving truth that is there. Brother Mark Hopper up there, he can read all these technical things about computer technology and so forth and understand it. I can read the same words and have no idea what in the world he's talking about. Okay, I don't have the understanding. I'm not able to perceive the truth that is there about computer technology. And so what I'm saying is, is that understanding is perception of the truth. The Spirit of God was given us, so as we study and meditate on the Word, He helps us to understand truth. He told the disciples, I have many things in John chapter 16 to say unto you, but I can't say them now because you wouldn't understand. But when the, he, the Spirit of God that he was going to give, 
would come, he would teach them all things. Do you realize those disciples walked three and a half years with Jesus Christ. You'd say, boy, he really knows them, and, and he, he, they know the Lord, and, and boy, they really have it all down. No. The Lord says, you're not even capable of understanding it yet. But the Spirit of God, when you walk through them, they were able to understand more after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he ascended on high, and his Holy Spirit came to dwell in. Do you realize not one of them wrote anything of the Word of God that they were used until after they had the Spirit of God? So that was so important in that life and in that time. But understanding is also discernment. Discerning between the Spirit of truth and a lie. Or, as the devil gets involved, truth and deceit. Why do you have a contemporary movement? Truth and deceit. Right and wrong. Good and bad. Good and evil. Holy and unholy. Just and unjust. Righteous and unrighteous. We need discernment in all of those areas that only comes from God, His Spirit. As we stay in His Word and determine, we are going to walk according not to our feelings, not to our thoughts, but according to the Word of God and let Him direct us. I believe that many made decisions at an altar. They made decisions in their home. They made decisions during a revival because God was just really speaking to your heart and you responded to him. And you meant it at the time. Paul meant it when he got saved. But I tell you what, when the, when the persecution came, it was hard. But he's stuck by this stuff. And so, check your walk by the Word of God on a daily, regular basis. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, Where there, are no, where there is no counsel, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Is the multitude of counselors many people? No. A thousand times no. And people can come to me and ask me advice or ask me for things, and I can think on the Word of God and try to give them counsel and try to make it as best and as right as I can. But understand, anybody that comes to me, I'm not telling them what I think. I'm telling them what God thinks. But they've got to respond to the counsel of God and understand it perceive it, and walk accordingly. But he says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That is in the multitude of his word. The multitude of counselors. It is seen in Psalms 119.24, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my Counselors. Is counselors referring to people? No, the testimonies is referring to the Word of God, and it's the Word of God that are your counselors. It's not wrong to go to people that you know are godly people and ask about things concerning a problem, and they know things from the Word of God that can help you. 
But understand, you've got to see it not depending on them. If people come to me and say, oh, pastor will tell me the right thing to do. He'll tell me this. And I, will, I, I don't want to tell anybody wrong. But if you start putting your faith in me somewhere along the line, I'm going to trip you up. Not intentionally. Because your faith has to be in the Lord and in His Word more than myself. I remember being in college and boy, the big thing back in that day is counsel. We, we had a book that we had to do and competent counsel. And all we had all these things on counseling and all this other stuff and, and they, they were fine. But I remember reading in the book where the man said, don't talk to them and ask them if they are saved and talk about their salvation because you don't know if they're elect. I said, this is what they want me to counsel? No, the counsel we give is the Word of God. And if Christ died for the whole world, the whole world needs to be saved. Again, our counselors, His Word, and counselors is plural. Counselors, He said there in that verse. Thy testimonies are my counselors. All that counsel comes from God's Word. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. In the multitude of counselors, they are established. You see, purposes can be well intended. But it may not be by the word of God that those purposes were made. Being led of God. They must be by what we commune with God get his direction, and we commit ourselves to that walk. Our purpose in life, the purposes of life, are established through the counsel of God's Word. Yes, there's going to be negative. Yes, there's going to be things that come up, and there's going to be opposition. The devil opposes the counsel of God. Ours is to be committed to that counsel. Without the many counselors of God's word, we're doomed to fall. We cannot know without the counsel of God's word if we had the counsel of God. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt because of your walk with God, that close daily walk, that you're walking in the purpose he has for your life right now? And I said, do you know? But as a preacher, and every preacher, as well as any Christian, must realize it's not, do you folks know? I've got to stay on it. Am I doing this? Do I know that it's God directing me? If we daily don't read His Word and meditate on His Word, we're going to fail. How can our churches, our homes, and this country have revival 
that helps us turn back from a country that seems bent to be operating on a purpose of making God, his righteousness, his morality, his holiness, according to the word of God, all of those according to the word of God. And we have a country that seems bent on making those things the enemy and outlawed. You see, the revival walk must be maintained in our lives even if we are just a remnant. But oh, what God can do with a remnant. God is not in any way hindered by the number. Let God do something with us via the word of God and the direction of his Holy Spirit so that the decisions that are made are made according to the counsel of his Holy Spirit through the holy word of God. That's how you make decisions in your life. Find it. In the word of God. And that walk with God must be a daily walk with him. If you have to schedule yourself to get up an hour before you normally have to get up, do it. To spend that time with God in his word. And have that to meditate on as you go throughout the day. The revived walk is a must. If your daily life is going to hear at its end. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in few things. Thou shalt be ruled over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Wow. That's not just reserved for special, above average people that we think is above average. That's for any child of God that will walk in the way of his testimonies, his word. And if we want to see our country, the churches of this country, the homes of this country to turn around, we've got to step out and do it even if no one else is willing. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors there is safety. The multitude of counselors? Oh yes, the word of God. That's where, since it's the multitude of counselors, we make our war. Yes, we're in a warfare. We're told in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able not only to stand, but to withstand. Because the devil, his minions, and deceived people, even deceived Christians, will attack it. Walk in his will. In the revived walk, you cannot fulfill it 
You can't even keep a revival decision, a church decision, a home decision if you don't walk in his word. You know, I've said this before, but I want to say it again before I close out. If I preach something that gets people upset, if I preach something, people will say something like this. Well, he's just defending himself. Now, I've had that happen <laughs> several times in, in ministry. And sometimes you have, well, here we go again. And you go back and you check the word. Well, God, that's what you said. I've sometimes asked some of these people come up and said to me, you're just preaching that because it supports way, the way you're standing. Oh. And I, I've asked, and I says, okay, now, you heard what I said on this passage. Now, did I misinterpret that? Was that wrong? Was that right? Well, yeah, that was right, but the way you're using it, you're defending yourself. If the Word of God defends me, praise God. But that's not just for preachers. That's for anybody that will walk according to the Word of God. It will defend you even if there are groups and there's numbers that are gossiping against you. That's spiritual, isn't it? Scorning you, that's very spiritual. Standing with the wicked. And let them stand that way. Pray for them. But never, never abandon the Word of God as your counselor. And don't be ashamed to stand on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Hey, that's not a children's song. Too many Christians have not learned the truth of that. My friend, think back. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And I'm certainly not God. Not God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit. I'm not any of those. I am one of His children. But think back on decisions that you've made. I mean, you were serious. You believe God impressed on your heart. Are you still walking in that decision? Are you still living by it? It might, have been, it might have been to quit something. It might have been to start something. It might have been just a change in your life. But did circumstances change the call of God? Or is the way I'm living according to the Word of God? Every Christian must face that. Now, you can't face that if you're not saved. So if you're here tonight and you're not saved, the next decision for you to make in life that will count anything is to receive Christ. If you're not sure you're saved and you walk out of here, you've made a decision. You're saying, God, I don't want you right now. You make the decision. It's up to you. Let's bow our heads, please.